This is Ecosystem North, Episode 10, Yvonne Caravo, MSU Mankato. Welcome to Ecosystem North. I'm Jamie Sonsbach. Each week, Ecosystem North shines a spotlight on the people and organizations that support our region's entrepreneurs in covering the real story of what inspires and drives them to be entrepreneurial champions. Our next guest is an entrepreneur in her own right, a pioneer in rural internet in Minnesota, and an amazing ecosystem builder who's helped to train and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs here in Southern Minnesota. With her work as a director for the Center of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at MSU Mankato. So please welcome Yvonne Caravo. Hi, nice to see you, Jane. Hey, um, yeah, so thanks for being our, uh, on Ecosystem North. Um, what we like to do is just uh, start a little bit with your background. So if you could just tell us, uh, are you a native Minnesotan, a little bit about your background, and uh, we'll go from there. I was born in St. Cloud. I've spent most of my life in southern Minnesota and northern Iowa. Um, my parents are entrepreneurs. They had a variety of different businesses. My dad wasn't sure what he wanted to be when he grew up. Uh, and for many years, they went from one thing to the other. At one point, we had a motel, two driving restaurants, an apple orchard. Uh, later on, we added a, a mini golf course, a canoe rental, and then an, an antique shop. We had all of that when I was in high school. So. I was pretty busy. Every morning I made 14 beds, but I didn't have to make my own, which was great. So that's, yeah, that's, I feel, I, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, we talk a lot with entrepreneurs about focus. That is the, the opposite of focus. How, 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 did they, how did they keep all that straight? Well, we're hard workers and we had, they had three teenage kids and all of us worked. So like I said, you know, I did the beds in the morning. My brother did the bathrooms. My mom came along and finished up the rooms and had the motel ready. Meanwhile, my dad went over, started up the restaurants um, and got those going. And then after school, we'd do the mini golf course and um, run the restaurants. They kept us out of trouble. <laughs> so um, yeah, I grew up in Southern Minnesota. I went to MSU actually as a undergrad. I came here to study Spanish. And that's what my undergraduate degree is in, is Spanish. Um, when I was done with my degree, I didn't feel like I knew enough to go out into the world. So I worked on a master's degree, got that. Uh, got an MBA here, and then uh, I went out and started uh, a company called Internet Connections with my husband at the time. In uh, 1993, we launched the business. Um, it was literally uh, weeks after it was allowed to start an internet service provider, and we were one of the first in the country, the first uh, rural one in Minnesota. So we were uh, early on. We uh, we we had a couple of modems in our basement when we first started, and quickly added modems in an office space in a closet. And then the closet grew to an office space with a few employees. And uh, at one point we had 25 employees. We had uh, seven different communities with equipment in them. And we were connecting a lot of people, 5,000 some people to the internet. Uh, this was before the telephone company and the cable company had even started doing it. So it was, it was crazy times. Um, so I've been there where all these entrepreneurs are and, and I've had the sleepless nights and the, oh my gosh, am I gonna make payroll? Uh, <laughs> and I still have the business. Uh, the business doesn't do internet access anymore. Uh, now we do uh, programming and we do kind of custom uh, security and accessibility work. And, and I took the job at the university in 2017 uh, because uh, the dean, Brenda Flannery, Flannery, came to me and asked if I might be interested in starting up something brand new, the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. 
and it seemed right up my alley. You know, I have an academic background, and then I've had this entrepreneurial background, and the two together seemed perfect. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's an amazing story. Talk about someone who's in uh, a very new and very important evolving field. I, I have never, that's why I, I love talking with you because I've never met anyone who was really on the front lines of the internet from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've spent, uh, had the good fortune to spend a few minutes uh, with Steve Case and in talking about the work that they did to, to get, the, get the internet out of the government's hands and sort of uh, get it into the hands of people who could build businesses. So, um, how did you how did you recognize that opportunity so fast and then were able to to jump on it so quickly? Because I, I we get that question from a lot of people that as things are trending a certain way, you know, it really takes really someone that's I, I think always looking for opportunity to be able to act on those things very quickly. At, well, at the time, I, I was married to a gentleman who was working for the state university system. His job was to connect the different universities to each other, St. Cloud and Cato and the Twin Cities. So his, you know, the nature of his job was that he needed the technical stuff involved in doing this. Um, and he was getting, you know, white papers and information about what was happening um, at Amarnet, what was happening with ARPANET. Um, I was finishing my master's degree and looking for a topic to write about, and I chose to do my master's thesis on local area networks. This was back in the day when people all had, you know, they had individual computers, but the idea of linking them together was, you know, wow, what an amazing new thing. Um, So my whole uh, paper delved into these very technical things, but then talking about how one might apply that in a management situation. Why would it be important to connect the computers to each other? Whereas what the (laughs) paper was really all about and then understanding of what's involved in doing that, what are the security issues, that kind of stuff. Um, so it made me get much more technical than I would have been, you know, as a Spanish major who then was getting a business degree. Um, I had to learn uh, all about how the internet worked and I started participating in white group discussions via email with people in Chicago that were working on developing what became the web. You know, they, they were developing HTML when they were talking about, well, should we have color or not? Should the, should we be able to have text link or not? You know, that kind of stuff. Which should we put pictures in it? You know, there were all these discussions and white papers going back and forth. And that was, it was fun to read them and, you know, throw my two cents in every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. I was a, I was a very uh, early Gopher user. Um, and then there was a network through North Dakota called Send It, which was K through 12 schools. Um, and I, <laughs> I think this is starting to show my age, but you know, everything was basically command line and, uh, and people, I, I try to tell this to my kids, like you, you, when, when you're complaining that your, your iPad, you know, is, is not working, like be glad you have something that you could see uh, something other than a blinking green line of text, because that's, that's what I grew up with. Um, and then I remember I got to North Dakota state university in 1994 and the, that's the first time I saw, I believe it was Mosaic, Mosaic. And it was just like, right away, you get it. Like the, the professor that was showing us is like, oh, I'm going to go to, you know, the University of Wisconsin-Madison site. Boom, there we are. Or it was more like press a button, count to 10. There, now, we, now we're there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just to think that, you know, it hasn't really been that long the fact that we're doing something like this is just amazing. And I know with, with my first company, we were focused on 
really doing this, but with scientists around the world. And even in the early 2000s, it was, it was doable, but it wasn't anywhere near what we have now. So it's just been a, it's just been a quantum leap in this field, which, you know, thank you for helping to pioneer. I mean, that's, that's amazing. It was, it was very cool. My, I have to give a lot of credit to my, my ex-husband, Gail Carson. He was, he was the network engineer, you know, so he was the one who knew how to connect everything up and encouraged me to get in, into this. Um, I was the business marketing person who knew how to start a company because obviously growing up with parents that did it, I had some idea of what was involved in starting a company, hiring people, doing the taxes, things like that. But I got pretty technical at when we were first starting and we didn't have any employees, I was answering phone calls and doing tech support and teaching people how to listen to those sounds of their modem, you know, the wee wee sounds. Yes. And I hear that I, in my sleep. I'd, I'd listen to that sound and I'd tell them, well, that doesn't sound right. Okay, let's check the setting, you know. <laughs> That's oh, crazy. All right. Too much of the past, but it's just something uh, the geek in me loves, loves to chat about. Um, so you, you moved into the current position uh, at MSU Mankato. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship? Sure. Um, I was teaching as an adjunct at the university for a few years, um, just teaching an entrepreneurship class as an evening fun thing to do when I was done with you know, working at my company. And uh, Brenda came and said that the university was really wanting to make a push in the area of innovation and entrepreneurship. They felt this was a, an important area for the future and that having a center would be uh, a way to create an intersection between the university and the community uh, in this area. They felt like, you know, teaching students to be entrepreneurial and teaching them, you know, more about what the entrepreneurial ecosystem is and what this is all about to, to start a company really involves them talking and interacting with people in the community. So um, there was a generous donation from um, one of the people in the College of Business's advisory board, Kurt Fisher, where he agreed to give us a physical space, and then they needed a director. Um, so they were looking for someone that both had an academic background so that I could understand what universities needs would be in terms of the educational piece, and then also someone that had an entrepreneurial background so that I'd have some idea of what entrepreneurs are looking for and what would cause them to come to the center too. So that's why, that's why they tapped me and asked if I would be interested in doing it. And I was pretty enthusiastically, yes. <laughs> I had to sell my company. Uh, I had uh, six weeks over Christmas to do it, uh, but I managed to sell a good portion of my company in way to uh, one of my competitors and, uh, and then was ready to go in January to start the job. The center itself um, has been um, an amazing thing for the last uh, three years. We've had um, tons of people come into the physical center for meetings and events, both in the community and students. We've had a lot of students who've been mentoring. At any given point in time throughout the semester, it, it fluctuates quite a bit. I have between 30 and 50 students that I'm mentoring to help them with their business ideas. Most of them are very much at the beginning idea stage. You know, they're just fleshing it out and figuring out, is this viable? Is this feasible? Is this something I want to do? You know. So I don't think the right measure for uh, success for a center in many cases is the number of launches because the goal for me anyway is to develop the entrepreneur, not the business. And if you develop entrepreneurs and you help them with skill sets, with connections, with you know um, resources, they'll they'll find something. It might not be this project; it might be the next project that ends up being the successful one, or it might not be that this is the right time in their life. But it might be six months down the road with the skill set with the resources and then they suddenly 
they click, they see that opportunity and then they can move on it because they have the skills and the confidence to do it. And honestly, a lot of it with 18 to 21 year olds is confidence building. You know, it's, it's talking to them and, and kind of shining a light back on them and saying, hey, you're much more capable of this than you think you are. Look at all the stuff you've already done. You know, you've already supervised this number of people. You've already done um, budgets. You've already done leadership, you know, and when you put all that together, all you got to do is you got to throw in this other thing. You can hire somebody for that or you can go and learn it, but you've got a pretty good skill set already when you're only 21 years old. But sometimes they don't see that in themselves. So I enjoy that part, <laughs> shining the light yeah, back I, to them and going, hey, look, you can do this. I think confidence building, um, is not just a student thing. Uh, I think it's a huge thing. I'm putting myself back in my shoes uh, mm-hmm. back then. It definitely was. Um, but what we're finding out here is uh, in the Rochester area, as we interact with more early stage or idea stage individuals, um, that confidence is a huge thing. Confidence, leadership, uh, fin- a little bit of financial acumen that they need. Um, but it's it's those... It's those um, I keep saying this on this podcast, so our frequent listeners will roll their eyes, but the startup of you sort of thing uh, yeah. before you can go and actually apply it to a business. And that's the, I think the secret sauce sometimes when people say, oh, entrepreneurship can't be taught. And I'm like, well, yeah, it can, but it's because there's a lot of these skills that, you know, normally entrepreneurs in the trenches just kind of discover as they move along and probably spend way too much money and way too much time doing it. Um, but it absolutely can be taught, at least in the the beginning phase. I think when you when you jump into your 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 venture, as as my uh, old uh, boss in a research lab once told me, you become the expert in what you're focused on. Um, so no one else can really teach you that part, um, but they can definitely. There's some of those skills that uh, definitely can be taught, and uh, I think one of the biggest ones too is uh, realizing how to utilize your network first of all, build a network and then utilize that network efficiently because um, still to this day, I find people are like, I did this all myself. And I always call BS on that and say, no, you didn't. <laughs> if you're saying you did it all yourself, uh, you're not being honest with you, with right, yourself right. or anyone around you for sure. <laughs> well, I certainly agree that we can teach we can teach entrepreneurial skills and we can teach, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurial thinking, you know, and that method and that way of looking at things. But I do think that there is some difference in risk aversion in people and, and a preference, you know, like all of us have preferences for the things that we really enjoy doing. Some people really enjoy being, you know, doing that critical thinking, you know, that I want to analyze something down to the, you know, atoms and make sure that I understand every little bit of it. And that, that type of person that tends to go into accounting or certain types of, you know, like I said, appellate law, that kind of thing, they're going to tend to, you know, do that critical thinking and they, and they like it and really enjoy it. And they're going to be much more uncomfortable with more uh, ever-changing, iterative, constantly changing environments that are super, super dynamic. Um, and then there's some folks that really love that. You know, I, I, I thrive in that sort of environment where things are dynamic and they're changing and, um, you know, I have to serve. I describe it to my students that uh, entre- good entrepreneurs are like surfers. They have to be able to bend their knees, uh, watch the waves, kind of see where the water's going a little bit, and anticipate um, and lean the right direction and maintain that balance. And they also should have a tether so that when they fall off, they can haul themselves right back up and keep on going. 
but it's much more like surfing, I think, than it is, you know, um, you know, studying something and understanding every little bit of it and making sure you eliminate all risk and then moving forward. Oh, I, I love that. That's uh, never heard it put that way. That's makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, in thinking about, you said 30 to 50 students you're mentoring. Um, mm -hmm. That's a heck of a lot of future entrepreneurs. Uh, just when you said that, I got really excited. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> sometimes I'm happy to see five, you know, um, but 30 to 50 is amazing. Uh, so I'm guessing there's a formal entrepreneurship track at MSU or or are you finding these entrepreneurs from all over various disciplines on campus? The latter, the, the 30 to 50 that I'm talking to are not in the formal entrepreneurship track. They're the ones who just find me. Um, you know, they, they talk to somebody who talked to me and I helped them before and, and that's 30 to 50 at a time. You know, remember each semester I'm losing a set, you know, as they graduate and rotate out. And so there's new, new ones that come in. But like I said, many of them are exploring ideas at the very, very early stages and, and may never launch or they may not launch for many years. I'm sowing seeds, you know, they're like acorns that might take years to grow. But I love that. I, mean, I really enjoy the idea that maybe I'll work with somebody and they might not start their company until they're 40. But when they do, they'll be better equipped to do it and they'll feel like they can. And I, think that's, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I always call it opportunity radar. If you can instill that always looking for an opportunity, identifying that opportunity, then having that framework to assess it correctly. Um, you know, that's, that's such a value. There's two valuable skills that if you could teach that early on, I'm hoping uh, with my kids, although, you know, kids sometimes don't want to listen to their parents, but, uh, or many times, but, uh, you know, try to instill that in them and, and just, you know, being able to walk around and say, you know, why, why does a vending machine do this versus that? Or, you know, these little questions that they ask, I'm like, that's a good thing, write it down. And one day, you know, think about that. And I think that's a, we've noticed in our startup weekends that we've run and and various other programs here at Collider, that's really uh, what really people take away is that being able to always have that that radar for opportunity and then having that quick framework to uh, really assess that that idea. And that's been, uh, I think, a big win for us as we've worked with early stage entrepreneurs is just getting some of those basic skills delivered to them and get them back out into the world so they can find that next great thing. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, totally oh, agree. It's a wonderful skill for, um, you know, for anybody who's working for other people too. You know, at the university, we're thinking both about people who are, are going to start the businesses right away and the ones who might go and work for somebody for a while. Um, and in the current environment where many of them have student debt, that tends to be the direction a lot of them think about going. But as employees, think about what a great employee that makes, you know, somebody that can uh, identify opportunities, that can see, hey, here's a problem, and think about good alternative solutions to it, evaluate those solutions, and then is willing to take action to start that new, that new initiative, that new project, that new product line. I mean, that shoots you through the career path really, really quickly and, you know, shows that you're a leader, shows you somebody that can be relied on and helps you have a great career, you know, no matter what you end up doing. So we, we've talked about the surfing metaphor, mm -hmm. and obviously there's been a uh, big wave in the last uh, seven, eight months to hit uh, yeah. basically everywhere uh, around the world. 
the question that we're really trying, we know there's great bright spots that are happening, even though the times are very, very difficult. Uh, so for you, what's, what's one real bright spot that you've seen in the last seven or eight months during this, this really challenging time around the world that really maybe helps keep you moving ahead because it's just a, a very positive example of, of something that's gone on? The, the number of people that are starting companies is, for me, a, a hopeful, um, bright spot. You know, the fact that people are thinking, okay, you know, there's all this stuff going on. I'm going to start a company now. I've been thinking about it for a while, and I've either lost my job or this isn't the best time for my, you know, the thing that I was doing. So I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to start a company. That, I think, is extremely helpful. And seeing a lot of students doing the same thing, you know, they're looking at the job market, they're looking at, you know, what might be happening with the economy and going, fine, you know, if I can't get a job, I'm going to create one. That, that gives me a lot of hope, um, you know, that amazing things are going to happen. And if you look back historically, when we've had, you know, great crises, you know, of illness or wars and that kind of thing, entrepreneurs tend to be part of what brings us back out of that and leads us into periods of prosperity. You know, people that, you know, jump in, say, okay, here's a problem. I'm going to solve it. They create jobs, they create wealth, you know, they create energy in the community um, and others join in and help them and off you go. But others have to join in and help and then, you know, things will, things will take off again. Yeah, the more, um, the more we're doing a deep dive, you know, we're based here in downtown Rochester and, um, you know, there's been a lot of what I would say doom and gloom the last couple of months saying, oh no, you know, downtown's, downtown is dying and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, we shouldn't complain. Um, we're in a much better position in our community than many other uh, classical downtowns. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of, I'm not saying there's not a lot of challenges here in Rochester, but I think we had the benefit of really moving ahead on a lot of uh, futuristic thinking when it comes to where the city's going to be. And even though that's slowed down a little bit, um, we're still moving in that direction. I think many communities will just begin now to think about some of that stuff. And we think about empty storefronts. And every time I, I, I see an empty storefront here downtown, I think what an amazing opportunity for a new business mm -hmm. to move downtown, to get their start. Um, or an existing business, maybe somewhere, somewhere else in the community, finally getting access uh, just because of economics and, and lower rents to that downtown uh, space. So um, it, it's always hard to, you know, when things look the darkest, really, and maybe that, that's a, you know, an entrepreneurial trait, right? You, you can see that opportunity. And I know it's, it's been very hard for a lot of more Main Street businesses, but I think it's also an opportunity to, uh, to create a lot of new businesses. And I, I, this, you're right, this is the time. And it's just making sure that, uh, that, we, that we find a way to, as I always say, surround and support that entrepreneur uh, with the help and assistance they need. Because you know, organizations like, you know, well, let's just put it this way, ecosystem building organizations really didn't exist and so I think it's a perfect time to prove the model works and to really help our entrepreneurs thrive and succeed. I feel like I was on the soapbox there. I don't know why. <laughs> well, you know, I agree. I, I've been involved in, in uh, you know, ecosystem building, you know, as you put it, for the last, you know, three, four years at the university. But 
as an entrepreneur myself too, I've always been really active in the community, um, you know, participated in things. And there is a new, um, you know, feeling I think with COVID of, of wanting to support entrepreneurs and wanting to help small businesses, you know, and, and, you know, kind of get them through this and get through what's on the other side. So I think that's, that's exciting. And that's really cool. Hopefully there'll be um, a lot of asking questions of the entrepreneurs. Um, I think sometimes we have folks who jump in to help entrepreneurs and they are very well-meaning and they um, suggest, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's spend money on that. But they haven't been an entrepreneur and they haven't really asked a number of entrepreneurs what it is they need. Um, and so sometimes you can end up you know, wasting time and energy on things that don't necessarily fit with what the entrepreneurs actually need. Um, yep, that you've just named our Achilles heel for, I think, if you were to look at uh, 2018, uh, mm -hmm. Collider was very focused on thinking we had the answers to a lot of things. And one thing that we've been um, very intentional now is before we go out and create any new thing, uh, we validate it with our entrepreneurs, which is so funny. I mean, it's, it's basically lean startup. And the fact that we don't eat our own dog food as ecosystem building organizations is kind of hilarious. Um, so that's been our be mantra. That doesn't do that. <laughs> There's a lot of them. That, that's been our mantra at Collider over the last uh, six months probably is, you know, we start to think about something new or getting involved with another organization or something like that. Um, we go out and try to reach into our entrepreneurial network and say, is this going to be a value for you or is this going to be a huge waste of time? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing how many times you hear it's a huge waste of time and you want to, you know, I, I am just of the opinion, well, then to heck with it. We won't do it. Um, sometimes there's, there's, you know, incentives to do those things. Um, so if there's a, there's a way we can take a great opportunity and sort of twist it and bend it so it serves our entrepreneurs, then we'll do it. Otherwise, we don't do it. And that's, uh, that's been tough because um, we've really fallen to that, into that trap of we, we love our, uh, we fall in love with our ideas. We used to call it when I worked at Mayo is uh, no one ever likes to hear that your baby's ugly, but sometimes they are. And uh same with ideas. You know, sometimes those ideas are, are not going to work, um, mm -hmm. but you need to hear that from people. And that's where I think getting that feedback from entrepreneurs and I think taking it a step further. And that's a, that's a page we've missed. So if you uh, read anything that Brad Feld, his newest book, um, you know, one thing I forgot was that really the third pillar of what we're looking at in Collider here is uh, empower. We need to empower our entrepreneurs to step up, to lead, to tell us things that they're, they're looking for, um, to be honest, but it, also that just stepping up to be, to have a, some sort of a leadership position. I don't care if that's, it's not, we lead the ecosystem. It's we do, we help with a meetup group or we help mentor or we help do these small things. But I think if no entrepreneurs are stepping up to do those things, then you know, those connections that we can make as ecosystem building organizations to those entrepreneurs are always going to be broken. And we're also, we're just going to create a bunch of crap that no one really needs. Again, with the soapbox, what's going on today? 
No, but I think it's, it's very true. But, you know, my experience with the entrepreneurs that I've worked with here, uh, both student entrepreneurs and people in the community, I, I'm real active with One Million Cups, you know, as you know. And our One Million Cups group is full of entrepreneurs who are willing to take time out of their super busy lives to uh, come and help, you know, and not only come for just that hour, but also follow up afterwards with a note, um, a suggestion, a referral. Um, I was just in a meeting yesterday. It wasn't a One Million Cups one. It was a group of women entrepreneurs sharing their experiences and their stories. And it was so amazing getting five or six of these ladies talking and then having a whole room full of people. And we all just chatted back and forth. And it was, hey, let me help you with this. Hey, I'm going to connect you with that. Um, hey, have you guys read this book? You should read this book. And that's that energy is pretty awesome. And if you get a bunch of entrepreneurs together, there's a, how do I describe it? Um, there's a light, there's a energy, there's kind of a, a thing that happens. They kind of go, oh, oh, you're like me. You know, <laughs> there's like a, you know, you start talking for a minute and then it's, oh, oh, you're like me. Oh, okay. So you're going to get this. And then they'll start off on their thing and talk about the thing, you know, that, you know, the issues you're having with your podcast studio and stuff like that. We all, we all understand that there's those kinds of challenges that we got to tackle. It's great. So as we think about the future of entrepreneurship in Minnesota, Southern Minnesota, uh, Mankato, um, you can you can pick and choose the answer, but uh, you know, in five years, where would you like to see the entrepreneurial ecosystem? Where would you like to see entrepreneurs in your region? Um, mm. Just kind of big picture. I know it's a it's a big question, but uh, I think we all have a personal vision that drives us. So uh, <laughs> definitely interested in hearing your your version of the vision. Um, I think the answer that you'll get from most people is uh, that we want more collaboration, you know, between the different organizations that serve entrepreneurs. And I think that's true and it's good. Um, us talking together here between Rochester and Mankato more and more, um, talking with um, Scott and Fargo and, you know, all of us kind of sharing knowledge and best practices and talking all, the, all across the state and across the region about, hey, what's working for you? Great, let's, let's use that. Or, hey, let's collaborate together and do something. I think that's all wonderful. And more of that in the next five years is going to happen because we're, one, we're finding each other online. We're learning that we can chat with each other. We don't have to drive uh, eight hours to Fargo to have a chat with Scott. We can sit and visit with him on Zoom, and that's really cool. Um, but I think there's also a, a, there's an aspect to it that I think about, too, that the very nature of entrepreneurship is it's messy and we can't make it neat. You can't make it too neat, right? If it becomes too neat, it's not surfing anymore. Then you're calm in the ocean. <laughs> I don't know that there's, there's, there's a messiness and there's a, uh, there's competitiveness going on. There's, Hey, who's got the best idea, even amongst us doing ecosystem stuff, right? There's a little, there should be a little bit of, you know, hey, I'm going to do this thing and let's try it out and see if it works. Other people can copy it later, but it's fun to be the first. It's fun to be the one who comes up with a cool new idea. And I think that's okay, too. So I just, I, I'm not cautioning against anything. I just think that it's okay for it to be messy. And it's okay for us to try stuff, have it not work, just like the entrepreneurs. We as ecosystem builders, you know, need to be able to try things, have it not work, and not have it be a failure, you know. Uh, let's just give it a shot, see if it works. Okay, great, that didn't. All right, let's pivot and do something else. What we tend to do in our society, and maybe it's, I don't know if it's Minnesotan or if it's American or what, but 
you know, we tend to do is when something doesn't work, we assign blame somehow to the person or the organization or maybe the structure was wrong or whatever, instead of just going, okay, well, that just didn't work. Let's just, you know, let's, you know, regroup, figure out what we want to do next and try the next thing. And that's, uh, I love that you said that because for us, that's been a challenge for Collider. I always felt that Collider, this is a little bit selfish, worked better when we were just doing that. We were trying things, we were successful at some things, we weren't with others. But as our organization started to grow, then it it moved from more of a flat entrepreneurial sort of just try it and see what happens more to how do we start to work as a region or as a state to coordinate and like you said share best practices and suddenly it began to feel very much it should feel like a network but for some reason it started to feel like a hierarchy and it was well why did you do that without involving us Mm -hmm. it's like because it's in rochester and you're not in rochester and I didn't, uh, you know, you're a great person. I just didn't think of you because you're so far away or whatever. And it pertained to Rochester. And, and, and so that that has slowed us down, I think, a little bit. I think we've learned a ton uh, from different groups, but it, it has sort of slowed us down a bit in what we're doing. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I totally get that. And we need to be able to pivot quickly. You know, we've got things like COVID and we're and the next big things are on the horizon. We already know they're there. We're just not reacting to them yet. You know, artificial intelligence and robotics, self-driving cars and automated things in our homes and all that sort of thing. We're on that hockey stick and we're right at that little peak of the hockey stick and all that stuff is taking off very, very rapidly along with climate change and stuff. We have really big paradigm shifting stuff coming. And as people supporting entrepreneurs and working in the ecosystem, we can't be bogged down with too much <laughs> best practices and structure. And, you know, here's what, you know, your board and your advisor think that you should do because it's the safe thing to do, you know, and entrepreneurs um, and entrepreneurship is, it, it is, you know, it's messy, but out of the mess comes the cool stuff. You know, every once in a while, <laughs> a lot yep. of icky stuff that isn't going to survive comes out of it too, but you just got to like, okay, next thing. <laughs> All right. So uh, in closing, uh, we like to ask, I always say the fun questions. So what's one thing that people may not know about you? Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm pretty much an open book. Everybody, you know. <laughs> I kind of know that too, but I, that's why that's why it's really interesting to ask Ooh, this question. I something that you don't know. Let me think. Um, okay. One, uh, I write poetry with my husband and we have a project called the Mankato Poetry Walk where we put signs with poetry on them all around on bike trails. And over the last two weeks, my husband and I have been out on our bikes with poetry signs in backpacks and tools in our, in our backpack, in our bike bags. And we've been out putting poetry signs up all around on bike trails and in the parks all around Mankato, North Mankato. We have 42 of these signs that are all over and you just sort of run into them as you're biking and walking, which is very cool. Um, so it's like gorilla art. <laughs> so I love it. Uh, they're made out of metal. They're aluminum signs, so they last all through the winter, and they'll be there in the spring for people to enjoy. So that's one thing. Uh, oh, and something else that you probably don't know about me is I have a stand-up paddleboard, and I just love being on the water, on the lakes and the rivers around here, and I go out on my paddleboard, which is probably where the surfing 
you know, metaphor comes from <laughs> is uh, I do that myself. I have to, as I'm going down the river on the paddleboard, I have to bend my knees and watch for the, the branches that are underneath the water and the currents and stuff and adapt to it. And I, I love doing that. It makes me feel happier than just about anything. Awesome. Um, and then our second to last question, uh, who is doing some great work right now to support entrepreneurs in our region, but maybe isn't broadly known? And I always say, you can't say Collider, you can't say me, and try to stay the heck away from Neela. Yeah, everybody <laughs> everybody loves says Neela, I'm like, I'm like yeah. I love Neela, but stop. I, so basically what I'm doing is I'm fishing for future uh, episodes of Ecosystem North, but just yeah. looking at you know, who's still, well, who needs to get a spotlight shined on them. Well, the first thing that pops to mind is somebody who's already got the spotlight shined on him a lot, which is Scott, because um, he's just doing amazing stuff in North Dakota, really cool stuff at the Nice Center. Um, how about Sean Williams? Yeah. Sean Williams is, is really cool, entrepreneur himself, um, working hard in Austin, doing lots of cool stuff there. I think he would be a neat person to, to talk to. Yeah, definitely. Um... No, that's a great point. It's funny how you develop a relationship with someone, you see them from time to time and you never, it never occurs to you. So that's a, that he's is got, perfect. He's got a, he's got a cool tech business. He's uh, you know, he's worked in kind of larger entertainment industry kinds of stuff. Now he's doing this really cool tech business. He's done, he's actually come and presented at 1 million cups. Uh, he's done design thinking training. He's a really cool guy. Yep. Do a lot absolutely. Of and my my constant Slack friend, because um, we've 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 created more Slack uh, channels than almost anyone else in the state of or in the state of Minnesota, I think. Sometimes yeah, he takes, <laughs> so. he's, he's very very comfortable with technology. You know, really comfortable with using the tools to stay connected and collaborating with people. Awesome. So as we close, uh, where can people find you? You will find me. Um, well, the easiest is the address cie at mnsu.edu. CIE stands for Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And online for socials, it's CIE Mankato. Or if you Google my name, uh, you'll find me. And I'd love to talk with you. Well, thank you so much, Yvonne, for taking time to share your story. And thanks what, for what you do for our region. Oh, thanks. I hope to see you next time I'm in Rochester. Thanks so much to Yvonne for taking the time to share her story and her enthusiasm for entrepreneurship in the region. Have a question or comment on the podcast? Please email us at hello at collider.mn and include Ecosystem North on the subject line. Please help us by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Do you want to see the video version of this podcast? The easiest way to find it is to go to our online storytelling platform, Rochester Rising, at www.rochesterrising.org, and the newest episode should be right on the page. Ecosystem North is a production of Collider, a nonprofit based in Rochester, Minnesota. Collider supports our local entrepreneurs and small businesses with innovative events, education, space, and storytelling to help foster an inclusive, diverse, and healthy entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more about Collider by checking out our website at collider.mn. Until next time, help an entrepreneur out. <laughs>